Today's TribCast is presented by Anheuser-Busch. Anheuser-Busch has distributed over 800,000 cans of drinking water to Texas communities impacted by Harvey and will donate proceeds from Budweiser Texas bottle sales to the American Red Cross Hurricane Harvey relief efforts. Learn more at anheuserbusch.com and the MD Anderson Cancer Center. The MD Anderson Boot Walk to End Cancer is on November 11th. Fundraise to help us end cancer and register now at give.mdanderson.com. Texas talking, oh, what was that that you said? Texas talking, ah, gonna hoop upside your head. Texas talking, tell me who can you trust when Texas guys are Hi, this is Saira Torres, the first Latina editor of the El Paso Times and the second woman to lead the newspaper in its 136-year history. I'm proud to join the growing number of women leading newsrooms in Texas, but I've still got something they don't have, access to the best Mexican food in this state. Enjoy this week's TribCast. Now here's your host, another strong woman leading a newsroom, Emily Ramshaw. Thank you, Zahira, and congrats on the new job. This is Emily Ramshaw here on the last Wednesday in October with your Texas Tribune Tribcast, our weekly podcast about the biggest stories in Texas politics. And this week we have, like, the biggest story in Texas politics. Uh, I'm joined by CEO Evan Smith. I have a facial tick. Uh, what a, that's not extraordinary. Right. Ordinarily, I'm tick free. It's just, but he's yeah. doing that only for Facebook. Right. <laughs> tell me, tell me that everybody in this office did not shit a collective brick. That's probably the official journalistic term. A this collective morning. brick. Wow. Not Couldn't, maybe not collectively. Maybe we should have named it the collective brick instead of the Tribune. The Texas Tribune. I like that. The collective brick. You know, uh, likes that. Executive <laughs> editor Ross Ramsey. Howdy. And political reporter Aman Bathija. Hello. Hi. All right. So we're going to get started here, and we're, of course, going to— How your week? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. It's only Wednesday. Uh, We're going to take your questions via Twitter and Facebook if you're tuning in that way. WTF is not a question. (laughs) Right. Well, WTF is the question we have been asking all morning since uh, we learned Joe Strauss, the Speaker of the House, dropped a huge bombshell, said he's not running for re-election, even though just mere weeks ago he effectively told Evan Smith at the Tribune Festival that he was running for re-election. So effectively, he just flat said it. Yes. So— what get I mean, all right, to ask the Ross Ramsey question, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, he said that he's been thinking about this and that, you know, until you say you're not running, you have to assume you're running. He's been more affirmative than that. He said he was running at the Tribune Festival when he was on stage with Evan. He said that, interestingly, at the time, I thought, he said, I wouldn't run for re-election if I was not going to run for speaker. And so here we are today. With yeah, but we got into a little thing about right, that because he basically. said that and then he didn't. When I read it back to him, basically, he sort of denied that he had said that. It was sort that. of like, a, why'd, sort of you say words. why'd you say it that way? And it turns out he was apparently writing this press release in his head because he said, I'm not going to run for speaker. I'm not going to run for the House. He is going to serve for 14 months. He said uh, he'll be active in the races, in the primaries for, I guess, the incumbents who've supported him. Helping and to get responsible Republicans. Responsible elected. Republicans. And then, you know, we had this dance at the press conference, which I guess you can still see online. We live streamed it. Live streamed it. Um, he didn't exactly say when he might run for something again. He did not say he wouldn't run again. And he sounded an awful lot like somebody who was leaving open the possibility of running for something in 2018. I'm telling you, I heard what he said today, and I thought he sounds like a candidate for governor. Why Especially, governor and not lieutenant governor? Right. Be, oh, I, because he sounded like the a statesman. He didn't sound like a presiding officer. He sounded like somebody 
He sounded like a chief executive. He talked. He talked a lot about values. Dan Patrick's on line one. Yeah, <laughs> right. But are you did. saying Dan Patrick's not a statesman? I'm not. But I think the job of governor and the job of lieutenant governor are materially different jobs. I'll defend that to Dan Patrick, the TV guy, or Dan Patrick, the lieutenant governor. I mean, They're he, different jobs. Strauss did say, you know, I I had been out around the state. I've been listening. Lots of people. I'm hearing from them. I mean, those were the lines that really sounded like a governor's race. It sounded like somebody on a listening tour. And he, like, and he yeah. talked in the statement this morning about, you know. Uh, uh, you know, I want to be sure that we take care of all the people, right? I mean, it had this really elevated quality. So wait, does anyone think he could win a statewide Republican primary? I don't. Not unless you change the composition of the primary. You have to you have to change the composition. And if there's a big race and a bunch of noise and a well-funded real candidate right. against uh, Greg Abbott or Dan Patrick or anybody, then you've got a real race. And then you've got people going to the polls saying, you know, are you voting in this case? on this date before you say anything else? Are you voting for the bathroom guy or the not bathroom So basically taking advantage of our open primaries and getting independents and Democrats well, to go into the primary. And November Republicans But you'd have to have that happen. Let me, let, me, let me float this back to a conversation I had with a conservative member of the Texas House who shall remain nameless, but who was full of information weeks ago about what this individual said was uh, uh, were, were pending retirements by members. And every one of the things this person said Turned out to be true. Including Byron Cook today, longtime Strauss to lieutenant. This person predicted Larry Gonzalez, predicted Larry Phillips, predicted Byron Cook, has predicted a whole bunch of things and, and has predicted others, additional things yeah. that have not yet happened. This individual said... Ask, ask I, this individual how the stock market's going to go. This right. individual <laughs> said, I think Joe Strauss is going to run for governor. And the theory was that the business community, which rallied to Strauss's aid in defeating the, the bathroom, bathroom bill, bill. And, has become, session, right. and, especially, and has become increasingly activated on matters that push the business community back toward the Strauss Center. Immigration, education, to name two others. Right. Um, that the business community on the one hand and the public education advocates who failing the appearance of a legitimate Democratic candidate are going to have no place to park their votes. That the business community and the public education community would join forces. This was the theory of this member join forces to propel forward a Strauss candidacy and to fund a Strauss candidacy at an adequate level against Abbott in a primary. And I said, you are smoking crack. I mean, the, those are the kind of However, motivators. I'm now wondering yeah. if I may be the one smoking crack. I, don't uh, I mean, I think you're smoking crack when you say, well, I think that the business community <laughs> can, that quote. I, I, I think <laughs> the business community can rally behind something like defeating the bathroom bill, because what you're really doing is, is paying to sway the opinions of, you know, 100 people or 80 people in the legislature. Can the business community rally, you know, tens of thousands of additional people All to the I polls? All I know is that Joe Strauss today in retiring in a primary? from the House started talking about pre-K. You don't start talking about pre-K. Well, pre-K is not where you run against Greg Abbott. Abbott's been on pre-K for a long time. Oh, you, but you, you know wanna, what? Hold on. But if you no, want to no, has it necessarily been? There are people who object to, to Abbott not doing full day uh, a pre-K. Uh, no, there, but there are definitely is an objection on Abbott to pre-K. I think that'll be the least of their differences. Uh, let's answer. No let's step back for a second and answer a question that Beth is asking on Facebook, which is, why should we care? Like, why does it matter that Strauss is leaving? What are the repercussions here? Well, you know, the, the quick thing here is you're going to get a change of direction in the Texas House or not. And the, the members of the House are going to decide. And after the voters decide who the members of the House are, those members of the House are going to decide whether the House is going to continue to be an obstacle to social conservative and movement conservative issues coming out of the Senate or whether it's going to be a cooperative partner in those things. And in that, is it going to be a change in direction for this government? 
So who do we know already? I mean, there, obviously there are two sides. That so you're going to see. One more answer, though, probably the one mm-hmm. more answer to that, which is that this dovetails naturally. You actually raised this before we started taping today, where it was raised in the room mm-hmm. about the Jeff Flake speech and the mm-hmm. announcement yesterday that he right. was not seeking re-election. It is a short walk from that to this, in the sense that there is a a divide within the Republican Party at the national level and in Texas. I know that the statement is often made: Texas is nothing like D.C. Texas has never been more like D.C than it is right now no, in but, my time in but the But Flake said basically, I'm over this shit, and these guys are crazy, and I don't want to be part of this right. crazy Walk anymore. Out, and and Joe Strauss say the no, same thing? No, well, Joe Strauss didn't say that same thing. And also, Flake, I mean, the undercurrent of his retirement announcement is, I wasn't going to win my primary. Strauss was expected to probably win his primary and was in a very good position to be reelected speaker. And what Strauss said today about the no, the one thing that Strauss said yeah. is basically I'm looking forward to being liberated from what I can say and who I can support in primaries. I mean, it, that's the closest he got to the quote unquote crazy, right? I mean, he didn't do the flake move, which I, is basically you know, bomb throwing. That's actually a really interesting point. The way he said that, you know, he said a speaker is somewhat inhibited in his ability to say what he thinks talk yeah. once he's representing the other 149 members of the House. And from a guy who has, in 2017, really found his voice, mm-hmm. um, whether you like that voice or not, he's been very outspoken. You almost think time. he knew he wasn't running. You listen to that and you kind of go, wow, what are you not saying that you wanted to say? And why would you want to say it? The difference between him and Flake is that Strauss laid a carpet out for another run. Flake said, I'm going home with my basketball. But they CEO. both said the same thing, which is we can do more good not in the current job we're in and the system is effed as it currently look i'm telling you strauss did not say the system was effed strauss at all did he said everything I've, but say no, the words the no. system is effed no he said i've been here I mean, he may think that i think we all believe he thinks that but he's said i've been here for five terms it's time to let somebody else do this but, job but the implication of everything he said about the about the values and the issues and the ideas that he said were not uh, uh, i mean he he implied if not said outright that the tone of the conversation and the substance of the conversation was not the conversation he wanted the party to have and the state to have. I actually see I see a closer connection to what to what all it okay. is than I'll, I'll sit over here and you can sit over there. I'm <laughs> 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 on which side are you on? Yep. I what what baffles me about all this or stuns me is um, if you watched your Evans conversation with Strauss at the Tribune Festival. He wasn't just saying, I'm running for re-election and I'm going to run again for speaker. He was cocky about it. Uh, I think so, too. Wasn't there that line about, I've seen this movie before, when he was talking about Phil King? Challengers. Yeah. Yeah. That did not sound like a guy who was about to just throw it all in and say, never mind. I mentally sort of put away the idea that, you know, this has been a rumor for a long time. Strauss won't seek a sixth term, you know, from your friend and some others in the House. Romer Jeffers wrote a column basically predicting it. And and Mm -hmm. after he said that at TripFest, I kind of, you know, okay, I'm going to put that away. It looks like he's going to run. I was also told by somebody on Team Strauss that they were working on door hangers. (laughs) I mean, there was definitely a move in the direction of running something changed. It seems what's strange to me is that, you know, we know Strauss won't believe this, but people like Dan Patrick, who are no fans of Strauss and, you know, empowered Texans and the sort of grassroots far right folks who just hate Joe Strauss are claiming this is a huge victory. And Strauss's decision allows them to. Right. Yeah. If, well, if, Strauss, I mean, if Strauss wants to run, we did some polling um, and, and did some, you know, what do you think about Joe Strauss and all of these guys, the job that they're doing? 
Uh, 23% of all Texas voters, this is Republicans and Democrats, approve of Strauss. 27% disapprove. 49% say either I'm neutral or I don't know, which is what he was referring to when he said my name ID yeah, is Yeah, he low. said nobody knows who if I am. Ran, if he ran for a statewide office, he'd have some name building to do. I think he could probably right, do it. Right, he's no Andrew White. I think he could do it uh, we'll from, get to yeah, that. Right, pretty quickly. Um, you know, if you look at the others... Um, Greg Abbott's actually in pretty high cotton. 48% of Texans approve the job he's doing. You've got to assume that most of the Republicans do if 48% of all of them, including Democrats, mm -hmm. approve. 33% uh, disapprove. For Dan Patrick, it's 36 approve and 31% disapprove. So if he ran against either one of those guys, it would be an uphill fight. But, it, you know, it'd be interesting. I mean, if you believe, like a lot of people do in and around the legislature, that Joe Strauss was the person basically standing between Texas and a bathroom bill, I mean, are there going to be people who are really angry with him or frustrated and feel like, you know, he's stepping out of the line of fire and, and that they needed him? Well, what just last weekend, I think it was just last weekend, uh, our own Patrick Citex had an interview with Dan Patrick. And a lot of people have interpreted the quotes from that to basically sound like Patrick isn't going to push for the bathroom bill again. He doesn't think mm -hmm. he needs to. He kind of said, we already won by making this debate and basically scaring a lot of right. schools into being more thoughtful about their bathroom policies. But what happens if you have a Phil King as speaker? Well, the, you know, that's what I was talking about. You change the direction of the House right. in that direction, and suddenly things that didn't pass the House that did pass the Senate. You know, the other, the other great Patrick quote in there was, you know, we send a bacon, lettuce, and tomato sandwich over to the house. We get back two slices of bread, and they call that a sandwich, um, which is, you know, a pretty good description. Yeah, he said five easy pieces. Right. All he's missing is between somebody's knees. Right. right um, yeah, do, doing his Jack Nicholson impersonation. I saw someone uh, made a joke about that that said, yeah, the house took out the pork. Yeah. <laughs> listen, listen I, actually, I actually like the, where this conversation is going because I think you've hit on oh, what you do? is the key. Thanks for attending. Rarely, <laughs> rarely do I enjoy the conversation. Um, good, night, good night, everybody. Um, uh, I, I think that this is a levy breach from a conservative agenda standpoint in all likelihood. I think that the... the, the I don't. I, I think the water floods, uh, floods the town here, absolutely. I think that you have every number... Uh, every, you have this long list of agenda items in the last session that did not... Uh, get to the floor and did not get a vote. Some that had enough co-authors to pass the bill on the floor outright. Others where had they gotten out of committee, not where they were bottled up and gotten to the floor. I'm not suggesting that all of a sudden the disappearance of Joe Strauss means, say, that all of a sudden school choice is popular. But I do think the bathroom bill has got to be something that you look at and think, are the chances greater or less that it passes now greater? Right. I think you ask about... No, I think absolutely. I think, And also because the new speaker is going to appoint new chairs... That's the other point. You know, the speaker objected to Phil King's characterization of this and his announcement that he was running for speaker. <clears throat> but the fact is, who you appoint as chair does matter. Well, and with uh, with Byron Cook leaving, I mean, Byron one Cook of the fiercest opponents I mean, of that bathroom that, bill. That's the, that's, and we don't know who else is going to retire. Right. This is the point. Well, so who do we know? Sarah wants to know on Facebook, who do we know is, is Sarah running? Davis? <laughs> it's, I don't believe so. It's okay. <laughs> Sarah, S-A-R-A. Okay. Maybe it's her pseudonym. So John, Very John Zerwas, yeah. the appropriations chairman, is running. He announced a few minutes after Strauss did. Phil King was already in. I expect, you know, this is the first open race since Gib Lewis left, and half of Gib Lewis's chairs jumped into that race. You know, Pete Laney was in that race. The the chairs that were in that one were state affairs, appropriations, transportation, right. ways and means, all the big, all the... Big dogs. Don't you think Todd, Todd Hunter 
is I, a potential candidate for speaker. I think Darby is a potential candidate for speaker. I think there are 180 <laughs> potential candidates. For Price's name. Maybe not 108. Tan Parker's not name Joe is Strauss. mentioned. <laughs> well, 149, sorry. Maybe some senators want to come the back. The question <laughs> is whether a member of the Freedom Caucus told me when Phil King announced that no one from the Freedom Caucus would get in this race because no one from the Freedom Caucus would run. Now that it's an open, would, could win. Now that it's an open race. Okay. So here's what you do. Do you a, get a Freedom Caucus okay. member or two in there? We got a great sure. pet, we got a great Petri dish in the Freedom Caucus. You've got 17, 15 members, whatever it is. 12 right now. Mm. However many there are, they look at each other and say, who's King Crab? Who gets to run for speaker and we'll all support them? Maybe they go to Polar Road and pull names out of a hat. all 12 of them yeah. jump into the race. This was <laughs> the problem the Republicans had until they figured out how to pick Joe Strauss. Uh, question from Facebook. Um, Patrick wants to know, maybe it's Patrick's, Patrick. uh, probably not Patrick's feed deck. <laughs> do, do you think the GOP caucus, considering sort of changing its nomination process for speaker, had anything to do with Strauss's decision? No, they had the same process when they were trying to, when some of them were trying to elect then House member Ken Paxton. The caucus voted for Strauss and Paxton and I can't remember how many other members. I think it was, I think it was 11 members. I think it was a dozen. Yeah. Uh, decided to break ranks and not I think vote it was with a total the of 50. I think he, the speaker you said himself, I think it was a total of 50. You know, one of the caucus. things that I think, one of the places where I think Phil King is going is if you change the committee chair selection process and give it to the caucus, then the caucus has a way to enforce its votes that it does not have now. If this, the caucus can't can't make people stay in line, but if the caucus was naming committee right. chairs, it would have a way to make this people stay in line. This is a Katie bar the door moment in Texas politics. I mean, I have expected the TPPF building to be glowing like the end of Ghostbusters, you know, at the, the, the building at the top, the key master building. So, I mean, a big marshmallow guy walking by the but, Capitol. But, but seriously, I mean, I really, I really believe that from the conservative policy agenda standpoint, this it's is a huge the, opening. This is Valhalla. It, well, and that's right? why that's what I'm saying about Strauss giving them this opening. I mean, you know, why? What's his motivation to give them this opening? Or is he just saying it's not my responsibility anymore to keep? Well, now I come back to Jeff Flake. You know, being the bulwark sucks. <laughs> Right, being the levy sucks, and at I, a certain I point, I think Strauss it, has really enjoyed being the bulwark. No, you know what? It's a he's hard the job. boss. It's a hard job, though, and I understand why. I mean, look, yes, he's been the boss, and there's something great about being the boss, and there's something great about being the power. And you, pro- although Strauss is not the kind of person, I don't think Strauss is a massive egomaniac the way some people are. I do think that there is something <laughs> ego stroking about. <laughs> <laughs> wah, wah. If, you're, I, if you're watching at home, <laughs> yeah. I do think that there's something, you know, there's something about being the guy who everyone comes to and says, "Oh, thank God, you're the only person saving us from, you know, sheer destruction, you know, cer- certain destruction." Mm. But at the at the exa- at, at the same time, that that is tough. That job sucks. It sucks. Yeah. And, you know, heavy is the head that wears the crown is like the oldest and truest cliche in the world. And I mm. do think that in the case of being the speaker at this particular moment, there is something about that. Now. Is the next person going to necessarily find the job to be easy? No, it's going to be really hard because here again, where Texas is hold, like DC. Hold on, hold on a minute. How do you square that, right. thinking that he's tired of being outspoken and in the way of the other guys, with your idea that he's going to run for another office exactly. and be outspoken and get that's, in the way of the other guys? That's because my... it's one thing to be one of one; it's another thing to be one of 150. The pressure on the governor is different than the pressure on the speaker because you get elected and then you got four years to do that work. If you're the speaker, you're constantly being picked at and nit and nipped at. And ask Greg Abbott if anybody picks at the governor. <laughs> well, right. but would, would you would you not would you not think that the job of the governor at the moment is a is a job that is less of an ongoing 
you know, fighting for your survival or questioning whether you're going to have the job tomorrow than the job of this. I think Evan's time. right on that. I mean, I do think there is people sort of, you know, once you're elected governor, your party sort of puts the pitchforks away because they need you. I think that's sort of true right now. I think if you didn't have a governor who was as in tune with the current Republican primary voter as Greg Abbott, that governor would be getting picked out the same way Joe Strauss is. Well, if fair, somebody if somebody was in the middle office with Joe, Joe Strauss's positions and you didn't change the composition of the Republican primary electorate, there'd be plenty of picking going on. I want to talk about a, a sort of two-part question coming in from Twitter and Facebook about what this means for Democrats. First, what it means for Democrats in the legislature, in the House. Second, what it means for Democrats, you know, up and down the, the ticket. Well, I'm reminded of when Strauss became speaker. It was in o, it was in 09, 08, Democrats had a great year. And I, Ross, correct me if I'm wrong, I think they narrowed the House margin to 70, 76, 76, 74. Right, mm-hmm. right, right. So all the Democrats got behind Strauss and a bunch of Republicans, about a dozen Republicans did, right? And then Craddock stepped it was about, down. It ended up being about two dozen Republicans. There was initially mm-hmm. 11 on Polo Road and Byron Cook's house. Mm-hmm. And then uh, by the time it came around, there were about two dozen with, with most of the Democrats. A lot of people forget the Craddock D's. There were about a dozen Democrats who stuck with Craddock, including the current mayor. Oh, uh, true, right. So either way, what it means is that every Weird house planet. every house race is going to now have this in the background. The idea of de- if a Democrat wins, you're in, you're you're go- you're helping decide the next speaker. Whereas before, I think it was Democrats don't matter in terms of the next speaker. Well, well. remember, I talked to Strauss about mm-hmm. that at the festival. I said, is there anything wrong with the speaker being a Republican speaker being elected with the help of Democrats? It's absolutely not. I represent everybody. That, that is not a consistent point of view, though, and that gets back to this question of the Republican caucus right. deciding as a block, <clears throat> right. here is our candidate. We're going to all march onto the floor and support this one person. Hmm. The power of Democrats is diminished after today in the Texas House. I would submit. Now, could the power of Democratic voters be enhanced? So let's say let's say Strauss does run in a Republican primary for governor or lieutenant governor. You know, Texas is an open primary. Democrats could, in theory, flood the polls in the Republican primary and vote for Strauss. Right. You can vote anywhere you want. Well, that goes back to the theory that this member floated about the speaker running for governor against Mm -hmm. Greg Abbott, which, Mm -hmm. by the way, I'm not suggesting I think is going to happen or should happen. I'm just suggesting that it's a theory that would be would comport with this what we thought we heard maybe the non-denial denial at the at the press conference. The only way that Joe Strauss wins a Republican primary for speaker is if Democrats flood for the Republican governor. primary. Governor. governor. Is if Democrats flood the Republican primary and cross over and vote. Or Those mischief no, votes are much I, harder to get than to theorize. I, I actually right. think the more likely voter for that, if he's going to pull that off, is November Republicans. There are a bunch of Republicans who vote in November and don't vote in March. You can see it in the numbers. It's right there. If Trump got this many votes in November. All Republicans got, you know, much fewer votes in March. But he'd get have November Republicans to show up. But he'd have to make it to no, but but he'd have to make it to a November election. No, you just have no, to get, get the you just have to get the people who are only oh, vote in November oh, oh, oh. to vote in March. Oh, get them to vote in March. Right. Yeah. Um, question from Scott. So, if Strauss is planning a statewide run, and now we're really speculating, <laughs> when would there be an announcement? Like, wouldn't he have a lot of catching up to do on the fundraising front? Filing is November 11th to December 11th, and he's got what 10 million. 10 million, right? Mm-hmm. Which he could, I believe, put easily towards the state race as long as he's not. Yeah, there's no as long as not much, yeah, You just yeah. need enough, right? That's the theory of any governor's race, by the way. Not just if a speaker were to get in, but if a Democrat gets right. in. Democrats as well. I don't need as much money as the governor has, and the governor has more money right now than any sitting governor has had at this point. The, ever. What's the, it? Forty million? Or Forty-one million yeah. as of the last filing. The, the right. problem, the problem for anybody running against Greg Abbott right now is if you look at the polling and you look at his numbers, there are not any deeply seated, widespread 
points of contention against Greg Abbott in a Republican primary. Correct. He, he just doesn't have many weak spots. And mm -hmm. if you're looking at that from the position of a Joe Strauss or a Dan Patrick or anybody else who might, you know, fantasize about running against the governor, you look at it and you go, I don't see an opening there. Mm -hmm. What do you think Byron Cook's plans are? Jana asks eat, on eat, Facebook. Eat a whole bunch of fruitcake. Yeah. <laughs> right. Are they gonna Are they gonna work together? Are or they the fruitcake seems to have eaten him. Actually, could they be a governor, <laughs> lieutenant governor ticket? I don't think Byron Cook wants to run statewide. I think you know uh, Joe Strauss's personality is pretty quiet, and compared to Byron Cook, Joe Strauss is Lady Gaga. I'm not sure <laughs> Byron Cook plays as a statewide candidate. Joe Strauss is Lady Gaga. I mean, seriously, do you think Byron Cook has a very quiet personality? Byron Cook is not a demonstrative person. Yeah, I don't, you know, I've never gotten the vibe that he wanted I'm, to run for statewide office. I mean, I'm, anything's I mean, possible, and we're only, you know, this is the, I mean, this is actually the best time of the year to speculate about this. They start filing in three weeks. I, outside of people who watch the legislature closely, he's not chair of state affairs. He's just some guy in the House, so I don't. Statewide. Well, you know, the problem for speakers is outside of people who watch this closely, you know, <laughs> who's the speaker? You know? So does Young McNutt get another challenger in that primary, or does he get walk into that race uh, walk into that race with the with the wreath on his head already? I don't know. You know, there's a political problem in if you if you build your race around this is going to happen all over the state in various forms. If you build your race around, we are assembling an army to run against that guy, and if that guy's Joe Strauss, and suddenly you remove the foil then everybody has to sort of rejigger their race. And this becomes more of a race of ideas than of personalities. And that's a different race. Flip side of that, though, is they see an opening. They have blood in the water. And so now suddenly you're, I'm told you're going to get a challenger filing against Chris Patty today, who is another Strauss ally. Um, you've already got Wayne Faircloth challenged by a conservative uh, Republican in the primary. You have young McNutt now, who has got no Byron Cook to run against. You've got a bunch of Freedom Caucus-type people filing in races against Straussy Republicans and maybe rather than think the, the Strauss threat is now disabled, they go, we got him, now let's go after the others. And maybe they think now that they're motivated to do more, not less. I mean, that, that's one theory of this, yeah. right? What does right. any of this mean politically for Dan Patrick? I mean, his primary foil now is no longer, will no longer be at the helm in the House. I think he's going to be active in a lot of, you know, and he was already signaling this. I think he's going to be active in a lot of these House races. I think he's you know, going to be part of the vanguard to say, let's get a legislature up here that can pass this and can pass that and can pass the other thing. Um, you know, I, I think that was going to be the formula. And the only thing in his his thing that's changed is you don't have to name it anymore. You don't have to say, you know, and its name is Joe Strauss. You just have to say, you know, its name is moderate. The threat is real. Right. I mean, we've been talking about Abbott. I mean, is there a chance that Strauss would run against Patrick instead? I, you know, I guess there's or a Or do you chance. think he's just I mean, over you know, the legislature I, generally? I, you know, I'm comfortable waiting to see what he's going to do. I mean, you know, I, I, I You're think, more comfortable than the rest of us well, generally. Well, he didn't say no this morning. He, he didn't, you know, mm -hmm. so you've got to say... He didn't rule anything out, but he was also, if he got into a 2018 race, my feeling this morning was that he, you know, wasn't really feeling it yet. He wasn't saying no, but he wasn't really feeling it yet. And he didn't sound during part of the presser like a guy who was going to run in 2018. Now, I got to say, he did sound in another part of the presser like a guy who's been on a listening tour and is running a an exploratory campaign for something or other. Mm -hmm. You know, there's been a lot of conversation about Lamar Smith maybe getting out of Congress at some point. God, who would want his, to be in Congress? His, his old oh. regional director was a, a guy named people. Joe Strauss. Poison. Yeah. You know, I mean, Can't use that 10 million. You know, there's, there's, there's something like that out mm. there. Right. Um, Good point, Amon. There are all kinds of things. Uh, yeah. While we're sitting here, by the way, just to prove the point we were talking about, uh, Dan Huberty just got a conservative challenger in his race. In fact, Huberty hasn't said whether he's running again, has he? Right. No, he's refused to say. I mean, so this is the point. I think that this is now... 
the floodgates. There's I mean, a bunch of bubble players. So, you know, if you're a chairman, um, if you're Sarah Davis or Dan Huberty or Drew Darby or John Zerwas or Todd Hunter or Charlie Guerin, all of the Strauss lieutenants, yep. you're at a moment where you say, was I here because I wanted to support Joe? Was I running again because I wanted to support Joe and now that's removed so I'm not gonna? Or was I thinking about leaving because it, my time to be speaker was never going to come around and now the wheel has come around? I mean, there's going to be some people well, on either Zerwas side Well, the Zerwas announcement, which we haven't really talked about, is interesting because Zerwas is a sort of Strauss-y <coughs> guy on the one hand. But also, Zerwas was one of the earliest people to endorse Ted Cruz for president in the <laughs> Texas legislature. Oh, God, I forgot about that. Right? Remember, you got that long list of House members that was like, freedom guy, freedom guy, freedom guy, freedom guy, freedom guy. John Zerwas, what's mm -hmm. he doing on this list? Well, no, Zerwas is a conservative guy. And I think, you know... Conservative, but... Well, there, but, I mean, somebody, who, but somebody there. who can straddle. Yeah, but I mean, right? he was the, you know, like one Republican in the House saying we needed a Texas version of the Medicaid expansion. Right. Straddling, straddling in, I mean, in the he's, flavor of the... I, thought, I saw immediately right the Empower Texans people tweet instantly today, you know, oh, John Zerwas loves Obamacare. Right. You know, you can already see the line there. Well, right. look, I just, I think that this race is going to, the speaker's race is going to have multiple people, probably mm -hmm. five or more people in it. Mm -hmm. As you point out, Ross, it's been a long time since there was an open speaker's race. Right. It's no different than in Congress where everybody wakes up in the morning, looks in the mirror and sees a future president staring back. Probably every house mm -hmm. member. Mm -hmm. right now. Is that right? Mm -hmm. I didn't even, I haven't even seen it. Is that right? <laughs> when, we've Pro all been Probably in every house member looks in the mirror and thinks it could be me. And so you're going to get a bunch of people who are going to think this opportunity is not going to come along again anytime right. in my political lifetime. Right. And there's no problem right now. What I was told by one potential candidate today was if you even say out loud you're considering it, you trigger the speaker statute. You're basically running. Can you explain how that works? Yeah, the speaker statute basically says if you're running for speaker, you have to declare it and you have to run all of the money that you're expending on that race, which basically is flying a plane around to members' districts and going and having lunch in their favorite Mexican food restaurant. Which Phil King is doing now. Mm -hmm. Which Phil King is doing now. Uh, Tom Craddock did it. Joe Strauss did it. That's how, that's how it works. But you have to declare in order to get in. So you file your papers and then you go. So John Zerwa said, you know, basically some version of I'm filing my papers. If you start calling around, you got to file. Here's the other thing. You cannot tell it's a, you know, it's legislative bribery to tell somebody if you vote for me for speaker, you will be chairman of X. You can say if you vote for me for speaker, I can't imagine anybody who'd be a better chairman of X. Mhm. Mm Right, but, but you, I might imagine but, it's but you can't, later. You can't. You can't. I might imagine it later. That's right. The road is littered with those guys. Uh, right you now, can't, you can't promise something for a vote. Right now, the Ethics Commission site has three people listed as declared for Speaker: Strauss, Zerwas, and King. So as of right so, now, nobody else yeah. has decided to get yes. in. As of this yeah. moment in time, uh, any chance that there could be a female candidate? There'd have to be female elected officials first. There are like a handful, like Please. three. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is a, you know, does Sarah Davis run? Does, um, I, you know, I need to get out of House Directory and see which of the 149 are going to run. But, yep. you know, um, so you only have a handful of, of Republican members who are women. Mm -hmm. Right. Laubenberg is not running again. Right. So there's Sarah Davis. There's right. Valerie Swanson, who one imagines is probably not running for speaker. Let's see how fast Amon is with his phone. Right. right. Yeah. There's um, uh, Patricia. Uh, not Cindy Burkett is, is, is running Cindy for Burkett the Senate. moving on to run for Senate. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think the answer is yes. And, you know, there are a couple people who at various points moved on who might otherwise. Jeannie Morrison is running, Jeannie Morrison. but who's running again for the House. There's, there are people who have moved on who you would think 
had they stayed, would be in the speaker's race and would be cough, towards cough, the front. Lois Colquhorst right. cough, cough, is one. Right. Larry mm-hmm. Taylor is one. You know, Kelly Hancock's a possibility. You know, there's a couple of people in the Senate who might be wishing they'd had a V8. They'd hung out. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I think at this point, you know, you've got 149 people, like you say, looking in the mirror. Fun fact, nobody has ever gone from appropriations chair to the speakership. Hmm. You say no too much. Interesting. All right, folks. Well, that's all the time we have. If you like listening to the Troopcast every week, please do us a favor and leave us a review on iTunes. Those ratings help us reach more listeners like you. And if you value the Tribune's nonprofit, nonpartisan newsroom, please consider making a donation at support.texastribune.org. Thanks to Shiny Ribs, as always, for our music. On behalf of Evan, Ross, Amon, and our producers, Todd and Bobby, this is Emily. Thanks for listening. Can we talk about Bobby's beard, please?